Coming Down to Earth, a Conflict Transformation Online Summit. My name is Nuno da Silva. I'm one of the hosts. And I have the pleasure of uh, being here today with a collective of people who have been questioning the architecture of money and how to bring new architectures into place that could support more healthy and regenerative cultures to emerge around the planet. So it's my deep pleasure to welcome Paulo Carvalho, Alan Laubsch, Katerina Serafimova, uh, F.G. Almayer, and uh, Rieki Corden. Welcome, my dears. And uh, perhaps the best way to start our conversation is to invite each one of you to, to start by bringing your voice and telling briefly a bit of your story, why you, in a moment of your lives, decided to start to dedicate your, your work, your, your time to, to this endeavor of, uh, of building to life new systems of, of money that could um, be more supportive of the emergence of healthy and regenerative cultures. So I don't know when to start, but let's, let's yeah, let's uh, invite the first voice that is there feeling, feeling the call to, to just jump in. I can start. <laughs> so my name is Katarina Serafimova. I've been trained by heart and um, academia as, as an ecologist. And I, I was very fortunate to have really good um, teachers. And that was in a time where in university, that, that understanding and that feeling which resonated very much with me, that everything is somehow connected, was reflected in complex theory and in, in, in the attempt of, of bringing different natural sciences together to better describe uh, living organisms such as ecosystems. And when I then entered the, the working world um, in a consultancy, I was surprised that to see that the more successful we were in developing big projects, the less they had to do with what I felt and learned um, were serving the ecosystem and, and, and people on the ground. So that brought me in that there might be a piece missing that I wanted to discover what it is that wasn't fitting, that was, was, was disconnecting those things that I felt were right to develop projects like agricultural projects or what, whatever landscape projects and and people and ecosystems and, and that piece that was missing and that I wasn't told in, uh, and I wasn't I wasn't prepared for is somehow money so that's where my journey started many many years ago in trying to understand that better and on my way of trying to do that I worked for banks I or a bank I worked for um, environmental organizations and, and lately I started developing regeneration initiatives and, and really try to support the creation of, of more nurturing places and, and communities and in that I came back to the topic of money because it's everywhere sneaking in so that's why I think it's a wonderful exercise what we are doing here to see if, if and how we could redesign um, 
that thing which for me is is somehow a a reflection on 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 many levels of of relationships that we have with each other and with nature so that's that's me for a start welcome katerina thank you katerina happy to go next um my name is Franz Josef Wallmeier. Um, I'm a universal citizen with uh, cultural roots in Guatemala and in Austria. I think that was, for me, a very early kind of contrast between what cultures may carry. And that, from a very early age, allowed me to really question cultural paradigms. In one way, I was living in Guatemala during the Civil War. and as a child experiencing a lot of violence and conflicts in different communities. And on one side, coming from Austria, there was much more peace and much more sort of different levels of wealth, which always I found surprising from a very early age. And within that, I always wanted to do something of benefit for, for others. And healthcare was where my journey started. I was trained as a biomedical engineer and then went on to work in health policy planning and financing in, with international organizations. And similar to what Katarina was saying, there was a bit disconnect and discrepancy in terms of bringing about healthcare holistically and what actually was, was happening in the ground and slowly kind of made the realization that all these great organizations, although they may be paying great money and might have great intentions to do what they were doing, were not really uh, resolving the root of, of the matter in terms of what needed to be done. And uh, yeah, that started again, taking me to a journey of questioning the reductionist approach uh, towards creating well-being and also my foundations of being between you know, the Guatemala culture and the Austrian culture really pointed back at me and really made me realize that, you know, what I had previously considered as indigenous cultures like the Maya that were looked upon by, by the Western world as primitive actually were much more holistic in nature than the current leading science fields and business fields. And uh, yeah, in that journey, again, money turned out to be at the very root of our cultural paradigms and our planetary condition. And that's what put me back into the journey of really trying to resolve the problem by the very root. And as, as we know, you know, a, a civilization is defined by, by the medium of exchange. So if you, if one wants to evolve or change a civilization or a society, one has to start that at that very medium of exchange, which in our case is money. Thank you, friends. Welcome, friends. Okay, I'm happy to go. Um, my name is Alan Lausch, and um, I also grew up in a multicultural multi-continental um, household. 
um, Chinese mother, German father, and so I've always seen systems um, as an outsider, and um, and it was um, yeah always very interesting for me to uh, to kind of look at the values um, of uh, society and how value flows, and um, for me the the closest the most valuable thing in my life has always been nature. And um, one of the extraordinary discoveries um, was that uh, our economic system has completely forgotten about nature. <laughs> um, I had a conversation with um, Paul Ehrlich, the ecologist at Stanford. Um, and uh, the first thing he told me was, Fractional reserve banking, it forces us into perpetual growth. You know, that's at the root of everything. And then he said, you know, when I, when I meet an economist, I always ask them a question, is Earth in the models? <laughs> and usually that, uh, that gets a, quite a confused response. Um, so that's the, the root cause of, um, you know, the uh, ecological destruction that we're seeing in this world, that we forgot about Earth. Uh, we have an econ economic system essentially based on extraction. So for me, um, I uh, made a vow to, uh, uh, to uh, yeah, to, to, to change this, to change the incentive structure. It was a very simple question from my daughter one evening as, uh, as I had a good friend over for dinner, um, Steve Galster, who's been um, dedicating his entire life to saving animals um, and um, ecosystems. And as I put her to sleep, she said, Daddy, she was eight years old then, what would it feel like to be the last white rhino? Your family has been killed. You have no more friends. They're all dead. You have no one to play with. You're just alone, just walking alone. And um, and that was a heartbreaking question. And um, and it made it very clear that uh, when our children are asking us questions like this, um, something is something is very wrong. So I dedicated myself to. Um, to going to the root, as Franz said, um, uh, to introduce uh, forms of forms of money that are actually rewarding those that are protecting and regenerating Earth. So the idea is finding forms of money that have a positive externality as opposed to a negative externality. Um, sadly, gold um, is extracted, it's mined, it's all dirty. <laughs> Any money based on gold uh, is based on an environmental destruction. Um, our other forms of money as well, because they don't include earth, are, have some inherent um, negative externality. So are there forms of money that are actually doing something positive in the world as an externality, like the protection of rainforests, planting of mangroves, and all these things that are not included in, in, in the models. So the idea is very simple. It's 
been a quest for earth positive currencies using currencies that uh, have value beyond um, the economy but are actually looking at um, yeah the regeneration and protection of ecosystems welcome Alan thank you all All right, so many incredible, beautiful people here. I'm just gonna walk to somewhere where it's a little bit less windy. Maybe put on my camera. All right, uh, my name is Racky Corden. And my life for the last decade has just been a series of synchronicities and journeys to keep aligning my purpose and passion with how I feel like it can best serve this transition. So I feel like we're living in the modern day renaissance where an explosion of new ideas and capabilities and necessity is merging together to push humanity into a completely different way of operating than we've been behaving and interacting for these last couple of millennia. Um, so for me, it's always been about certainly a lot to do with plant medicine, a lot to do with the journeying, a lot to do with like fasting and other methods to calm the mind down and get in tune with the heart and listen to what that's calling through. And then just follow that inspiration to wherever it leads me and however I can best serve this. Um, I didn't actually know why I was really into cryptocurrencies and economics and finance and governance systems and incentive models and game theory and complexity theory and permaculture like it it doesn't make logical sense why I was really interested in those things I just found a deep passion and understanding them and a lot of joy in figuring them out and it didn't it only made sense to me about before I tell you that about seven years ago I a series of life circumstances caused me to not want to be part of this civilization anymore um, I saw where it was headed I saw the damage it was causing uh, I'd gone to Afghanistan and saw just the, the the devastation of warfare and globalism and colonialism still at present today. And I just couldn't, no part of my being wanted to be a part of that system anymore. So I thought the solution was starting an intentional community, living off the land and going and moving to the forest. So that's what I did. And after a while there, I came to understand that that was more like running away, like trying to create my own island of safety, not necessarily playing a big part of the shift that was taking place. So that's, that's what really started my journey in trying to understand what's at the foundation of this. You know, what are the big tipping points and drivers that we can influence to be able to change the story? So we don't have to you know, tell our children some excuses of why it's so messed up why the animals they see on TV don't exist anymore, why mommy and daddy go and do jobs they hate all day, you know, why everything's so polluted and they can't drink the water. Like, I don't want to have to come up with excuses or try to explain those things away. I would much rather tell them a bedtime story about how we changed the whole story, about how it changed. Um, so that's kind of at the heart of what's driving me. My partner and I tried to have um, children a couple times and just sheer amount of stress and guilt has caused a couple of miscarriages. And with our last one, um, 
we were in communication with our daughter before she was coming through. And now that might sound esoteric and strange to say, but I think maybe the people in this audience might understand that. And she had asked us to Essentially, what we got out of that is a deep, deep commitment to change this story so that when we do bring her in, we're bringing her into a new paradigm and not to the one that we're um, leaving behind. So that's at the, the core of what drives me is to be able to create a different type of civilization for my children to be born into and raised in. And this is where money plays the foundational role, as all of you had mentioned here so far, is money is at the root of how our civilization operates. It's what drives human behavior, what incentivizes and motivates and um, directs our attention. And I know money in and itself and the way it's been designed is faulty in so many ways. But if we could start with money and transform money and turn it more into a bridge so as people come into these code-based economic systems, using things that look and feel like money to step into them, Eventually, we can evolve these systems to be more like a global cognitive framework for humanity. And we could start using entirely new ways of organizing, sharing information, and governing ourselves as a human race. So this is what excites me about this particular renaissance we're stepping into, is the idea of you know, code-based financial and economic systems that we can start programming and changing the fundamental nature of how they behave. So... Yeah, I'll leave it at that. I'm really excited to be part of this global renaissance we're experiencing. I'm a little bit biased and I want it to be a regenerative renaissance. So that's everything I'm about is how do we use this transformation and rewire our incentive and organizational systems to heal our planet and heal our communities and heal ourselves while we're at it. Welcome, Vieki. Thank you, Vieki. So we have this idea that... Uh, some of the, our biggest institutions are falling apart and uh, money structures is also failing. We are in the verge of a new economic crisis. But you already touched in very significant stories that um, where, where you fall apart first, right? Where we as individuals in, in acting in the system, we did fall apart. And that, there's, there's some tension and conflict there on a, on a very personal level. Um, and I'm very curious to, to although you, some of you already touched base with some of these um, dissonant points in our life where we fall apart, how, how can you tell the story of that and, and, and highlight some of these dissonant points that really then shifted your understanding of what money was and then from there what you did differently if you if you can go back and think back on your life and on a couple of those moments i think this will help us really understanding how money is sneaking in like you said katerina in in many of our relationships and and the way we relate with nature like alan was was mentioning can you share a little bit of those stories yeah, and please don't shy away from really putting the finger on the wound. I think it's really important the audience gets a bit of the sense of, you know, like how the architecture is problematic. <clears throat> I can go ahead. <laughs> so there are many 
stories or many moments that I could share, but one comes is very present now as you are asking about the question of understanding that this is not only a collective falling apart that we can talk about intellectually. And I think there have been a lot of talks about that discrepancy between the financial and the monetary system and the environment. But one, one story which is, um, yeah, which marked me quite, quite significantly was when I changed side, let's say, from having tried to work in a bank bringing in and trying to translate since what I felt are the, the things that, that should be considered in the financial system. So being like a translator into the financial world and understanding that this is not possible. So there are always things that can't be translated and that get away. I shifted and I, I thought I would, I would just change sides. So I was then working for a global NGO and, and that's, the one of the experience I had is that this is much deeper than just changing from one side, like let's say the banks um, being on one side and then uh, to the NGO. And that particular moment that I was referring to was <laughs> as I did a lot of studies to understand how um, the, for example, the portfolio of banks and, and, and the climate issue would correlate and these kind of things. And I was invited to a meeting in the US to talk to the big banks about it. And that was during the time of the Occupy movement. And I was suddenly realizing, and it's so um, absurd actually, if I tell it, that I was traveling for one meeting with an airplane to New York to talk with these banks, having the understanding that they, independently of the position that they had, couldn't change what this was all about. And then feeling that disconnect of me being in that five-star hotel talking to these banks about the decarbonization of their portfolios and then having some of these protesters of the Occupy movement down there. And I felt how far apart I was of all of these sides or I was just sensing that, that there was something like the bridge was not yet closed and from that experience and also many others I understood that it is much profounder because um, it is not only me and them or someone is right and someone is wrong it is that this Am I speaking my truth? Is it really, do I have the courage of really naming what is at the root of the problem? Um, this is something which is a battle in myself. And it's not independent if I'm working in a bank or in an environmental organization or that goes very deep. And the mechanisms that we all have built up collectively and me individually of protecting are very subtle. So it takes really a lot if we walk within the system because it may be I want to be invited to the next conference. I want to be so I, I I tend to formulate those things in a way that are still in the norm, and it takes really a lot to go deep, deep, deep to the roots. So that was one of these stories where I understood that it's not about if I work on a bank or on an NGO. It's it's much deeper. And it has to do with me and my own journey of, of speaking my own truth.
Thank you. Do any of you want to pick on that? And build another story. <laughs> Perhaps one thing I can disclose, and uh, it, it's somehow related with what, what you brought in, Katerina, is so I, I, I for, for a long time I didn't know why, but I, I decided to study economics. <laughs> and, uh, and it was quite shocking, you know, to get to university and understand economics from uh, the, this kind of classic uh, Chicago school way of thinking about, about the economy. And it just like, I, I kind of struggle, and I think many of us going through uh, university in the last few decades of how dissonant what is being told there is from our deepest longings and, you know, this understanding of connection with nature, like that Alan was speaking about. So... I got really in shock that there was it was such a dominant narrative that then later on when when me Paulo and some others start to create here in Portugal a cooperative of ethical finances and we organized the forum in the faculty where I had studied before that actually we organized a two days conversation around what do, what would ethical finances mean and we didn't have a presence of a single student or teacher from the faculty of economics where the meeting was taking place so it's kind of there's this really shock for me of that all the people who are kind of taking serious decisions about economical issues and financial issues around the world are being taught uh, in the in in similar fashion about what it's economic about and it's totally dissonant from actually what really economics should be about um, and Alan, you mentioned something about the, the the fractionary reserve system, which I think should would be great if one of you guys could really, in like in a in a in a in a short way, but just really pointing out like how much that is problematic, because I think many people are not aware that actually there's a few highly privileged people in the world who can create magic. They can make money out of nothing, while the rest of us need to be like fighting over the the scraps of uh, in order to make a, to make a livelihood. So I think that's a story that's definitely worth telling briefly, maybe from how you got in that insight on your own lives. Yeah, I can talk sure. about... Oh. Oh, I'll let Alan go. No, Ricky, please. I follow up. Okay. You have a hard stop too. Go ahead. Um, well, there's, there's a few points. I mean, there's so many points, but, you know, with our debt-based um, financial systems, so this is not quite just the fractional reserve part, but it's the foundation of how money is created. When it's created with debt attached to it, that requires that we continue to grow in order to pay back that debt and the interest. So if interest is at 3%, that means we need to continue to grow our economies at 3% just to maintain themselves. And what happens is when we get to a mature economy like what we have today, we have to continue to convert things that were once free 
or that were once part of a gift economy or a more robust community, and we have to convert them into money. So that's why we see this endless desire to continue to convert our natural world and our communities into money because the system at the base requires it. Otherwise, we'd see massive bankruptcies and foreclosures and all these things that we see as bad. So, I mean, that's at the foundation of the system. The fractional reserve part, I'm, I'm in a, a weird camp because, you know, some people look at that magic and say, hey, that's magic. Let's get rid of it. I'm kind of in the camp where I'm saying, hey, that's magic. Let's adopt it. You know, so maybe the, the banking system today has been using this crazy black magic to manipulate the world. And I'm saying, well, let's acquire that magic. Let's make it white magic and let's use it to heal the world. Like it's incredible power. It really, really is. So instead of throwing that away, let's use that. Um, and how the fractional reserve banking works is essentially that they can grow new money out of you know thin air. But at the end of the day, money is nothing more than thin air. It's, it's just an agreement. It's just a form of trust. So that's how money ultimately started is we started with gift economies, like communities where we trusted each other. So we didn't need tokens of exchange because we just knew that someone was going to have our back, just like our families today. We just gave because we knew we were going to get back. But when our communities kept growing and got into larger sizes, that trust needed to be deferred onto something else. So then we started trusting these other tokens like gold or something physical, because then we could trust the weight. We had weights and scales. We were looking at it. We were biting it. We could see it's pure. We, you know, we weighed it. We knew that gold was finite. So then we started trusting the gold itself rather than the relationship. So ultimately, what we're really trying to exchange here is trust. So if we can create a different system that creates a more trustful environment for us to connect, then we can keep all of those magical elements that are part of our current system and bring them into a new system. So we don't actually have to back our money by anything, because even if you back it by gold, you're just deferring trust onto gold instead of trust on the system itself. So if we can build trustful systems, then we can use that magic. And that magic can then be employed to regenerate our planet, you know, reverse inequality start funding all those nonprofits uh, instead of them chasing finances all the time, they can actually get the money they need to do all the good that they're trying to do. So this is what's possible once we step into our own, you know, fractional reserve systems, <laughs> so to speak. So that's, that's my piece on it. Can I add to that? Alan, go. Go first. Please go. I wanted to share one observation when I very soon or even at the time of that story that I was sharing, I was I was starting to understand and look deeper at that um, what what money really is. And when I, when I started looking into that, of course, my first impulse was, okay, what could we do to change it, right? And then by, by by looking deeper, trying to find out that there are and have been always people that have thought how money could be, right? And there are so many approaches already there. Um, so what happened at the time was because I was I was living in, in Switzerland that there was a group of academics and, and people that have come together and that was a lot of yeah just and and saying well well in Switzerland you could just change you could just change it right if we understand that we as as a collective have just written that down and accepted that into being what the foundations of money is we could already we could change the law right we could just change it so there was a process then starting of of defining a, a constitutional text of of how the foundation of money could be changed 
that was an interesting process of over one or two years in the group of people changing emails, changing ideas around that and, and many of the thinkers around the monetary reform coming in. I personally realized then when it came closer to the political debate around that, because it was, we got these 100,000 signatures and it was then um, coming to a really public exposure. And what I, I realized in that monetary reform movement, that some of the old patterns came in. So some of them, okay, my approach of how money should be created is right and, and the other one is evil. <laughs> and, and suddenly I, I understood that this again was causing some kind of separation. So I, I, I distanced myself from that a little bit and, and didn't go into that. And, and I asked myself, what is it? that we could really do. And in the end, I, I did fully support that initiative um, because what we actually did or tried to do in that campaign is not to say that this is the right thing. At least I'm not just say this is the alternative of creative alternative, but just the question, um, what, who should be in charge of defining what the foundation of money is? So, so just bringing that questions to, to the, the public, I felt had some kind of really empowering effect. Because just if you, we ask, who is actually in charge of money? And if we understand that, that we can take back that responsibility. I'm not speaking about power and, and, and magic and fractional reserve. It's just we have decided collectively that this is how it is today. But if we take back the responsibility, we could decide that this is different. And that momentum gave me a lot of energy during that quite tough year of the campaign. And I still believe that something shifted in, in, in that. And that's what we can build on. And I'm curious to see what really then all these new technologies that or new systems that are emerging can bring once enough people really take that responsibility and say, yes, we want to create, co-create how that should be. So that's my story about the fractional reserves. <laughs> Thank you. Alan? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I, um, I wanted to just uh, um, just expand on what happens when you have a fractional reserve banking system and an economy that forgets about Earth. Um, it means that you basically need to keep this economy going at all costs, otherwise all wealth collapses, right? Um, so if uh, this means digging up more poisons to burn as energy, <laughs> then we do that, right? So the, this is the predicament that many economies have run into, uh, measuring GDP and corporate uh, profitability, um, where uh, even um, you know if it's very, very clear that uh, the wrong thing to do is to um, extract these poisons from the earth uh, to burn as energy and that there are much more abundant forms of energy to use. Um, there'll be 
forced to do that to keep the existing system going, right? And so this is this is kind of this um, predicament that the world is in um, that we have um, encodified in a way um, a, uh, a Death Star economy. Now um, we can change that trajectory once we start to include Earth in the whole accounting systems, once we start to realize that, gosh, you know, um, when we uh, uh, have a tropical rainforest with all this biodiversity or a, a mangrove uh, forest, the ecosystems services that we benefit from as humanity um, are just absolutely extraordinary. And, um, you know, for mangroves, the latest estimate is $194,000 per hectare uh, per year, uh, when paying local communities $100 a year per hectare um, can uh, reduce deforestation substantially. We know that that's an incredible investment because it's creating true intrinsic value. And so um, the uh, form of, uh, so what I, what, I see, what I see as very, very important is this ability to recognize that we've had a fundamental accounting error and that if we simply include Earth in the accounting systems um, uh, and start to reward those that are doing positive work to protect and regenerate our nature, we can actually transform uh, a doomsday machine into actually an economy that becomes regenerative. Because if you start to do the math and start to recognize that, my goodness, I get a thousand-fold impact for every dollar that I put into rainforest protection, mangroves, coral reefs, and so on, um, we have this incredible abundance so that um, allocating 1% of our economy, our, our existing economy, into uh, these extraordinary um, abundance-generating um, ecosystems, we can actually put the whole trajectory of the economy on the right path, right? And that's the extraordinary thing that, um, you know, uh, we can try to fight the existing system, but, um, you know, it's such a powerful machine. It will, it will keep on working in this way. But if we actually start to mix in new forms of currency with extraordinary positive impact, as a whole, humanity can move into this earth positive direction, um, even if we make a change of only about 1%. And I think this is this extraordinary opportunity, right? That growing new forms of money that are massively positive, that have a huge positive impact, can actually shift uh, the entire uh, the entire balance of the equation and, and kind of uh, yeah grow in a positive direction. Um, so in terms of uh, conflict, um, you know, for me, I could have easily become just an activist and protesting and protecting rainforests, and that's where my heart is. Um, um, but um, you know, I think that um, I think that it's just really, really difficult um, to fight uh, a system that is huge, that is complex. And um, 
yeah, so I put my energy into creating something new, uh, something new that is, um, yeah, that creates abundance for everyone, that everyone can be a part of. Um, if ExxonMobil um, decides to become the greatest protector of ecosystems um, uh, by massively investing in rainforest tokens, for example, let them be part of the solution. You know, let everyone be part of it. Okay. Thank you, Alan. Friends, do, do you want to add a little yeah. bit of your personal view as well? Yeah, let me add a little bit to that. And yeah, just resonating with everybody what's been said. And to add on to that, yeah, I absolutely agree, you know, at the at the very foundation of all of this is that we have a handful of people deciding what value is for the rest of us. And that has been going out for various years. And that's kind of how what the capital in with capital C has been today reduced to only mean financial capital. But at the end of the day, we are forgetting all other forms of capital, which are fundamental for our existence, whether we see it um, as living capital, cultural capital, spiritual capital, social capital, all of these things have, are right now in a, in a market failure of anthropocenic proportions. And the best way to, to restore those values and modalities, which always have been there, always are, are there. It just takes a matter of kind of like opening everybody's eyes to it and realizing that the systems we are already living in are inherently abundant and this is something that has been known and is still known and protected by our indigenous communities from all over the planet uh, you know it's not not even 500 years ago that the mayans in mesoamerica were using seeds as a means of exchange like cacao cacao beans because they had a limited lifespan and because they were something that you could eat and have intrinsic value there's still amazing recollections of when Spaniards were uh, visiting the Americas and were saying, "Wow, this is an uh, amazing paradise. You cannot, you cannot uh, bury the cacao under the earth to build up that greed or avarice because it doesn't work." So seeds was already kind of like a very powerful mean, medium of exchange back then. Um, in my journey, just to go back to the original question in terms of moments of aha. Um, for me, well, I was working with the World Health Organization in my, in my earlier career. Uh, the mission was all about how can we bring about systemic health across borders and across for cultures and for continents. And it really struck me that, you know, upon research that the biggest hurdle for, for well-being was actually poverty. And poverty was something that was really created by our financial systems. It wasn't something that was inherently there. And just to kind of make connections in terms of understanding the values there, you know, it's very well documented that it would take simply a, a matter of 250 billion US dollars a year to, for example, feed everyone. And just to compare that, that, you know, banks right now are, creating money out of thin air at the tune of trillions of dollars that they could easily resolve those things in one 
single way only if they would want to, which is completely the disconnect with what people are needing on the ground and what 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 we're all trying to work out. So, yeah, I think to to echo what you guys say, you know, it's uh, the vast majority of the world are also in this understanding that there's massive need of transition and and that the real power always lies in people's hands, but that only can come to to place in terms of uniting people if we have a, a platform or an, an idea of how to do it. And what we're doing with um, with seeds is, you know, who knows best how to recover these modes and modalities? The people who are already doing uh, this or this good work in the planet, you know, the people who are dedicated to feeding the world, the people who are feeding, dedicated to protecting nature. If you're able to give these people the the reins of our financial system for them to determine what value is for the rest of us, then we are transitioning in a very rapid and beautiful way. So that's also what we're stepping into. Mm, thank you all. I think um, this is the perfect moment to get a sort of synthesis, and I will try to do that effort. And I totally resonate with uh, with what has been shared, but. What I sense is that many of you, not to say all of you, um, somehow dwell between what is the norm, what is the opposite to the norm, right? To to as as in the conflict tensions that somehow have more or less the same qualities, like Katarina was sharing, the duality of being, let's say, an activist, or uh, where what we need really to rescue it's our deep human values and somehow these are conditioned by the present system so that we design a new one not not an opposite one but uh, but somehow a new one out of that new one possibility we already know that some of the old patterns sneak in so 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 the question would be how to to notice those but we also can influence the big system with new values, with new patterns. And, and being that sort of middleman that, that, that tries to dissolve these tensions, dissolve this conflict, and, and, and propose the new conscious of these two patterns, it's, it's, it's very hard, but it seems like this is what you are doing, right? So, and this sounds like... Um, the right moment for seeding the future. So, what 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 gives you hope? What what really motivates you to 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 continue building this new? And tell us a little bit of what that new is. Any of you, how how are you rescuing these values of trust and giving this to a new reality, a new norm? Reiki, do you want to start? Sure. Um, you know, what drives me is I find an incredible joy and fun out of this. Um, I kind of, I like looking at life as sort of a game. And this is my perspective that helps me through. I used to have a very... Um, a less helpful perspective where I felt like everything was this immense problem and the world was going into a terrible direction and there's too much pain and suffering and it was all broken. And that just left me in a really depressive state. 
So going through that depressive state, I adopted this new philosophy, which you know may or may not have merit. And that's this idea on a meta scale that humanity created its problems so that we could fix them. And it's kind of like when we play video games, we play video games because they're challenging and they're hard and we enjoy that. We enjoy the challenge. We enjoy being able to be pushed to our boundaries to try something. And so I think that humanity kind of subconsciously created these existential crises that required all of us come together and exercise our capacities to their fullest extent in order to be able to overcome them. So I think we created the conditions for us to evolve and have to challenge ourselves. And that's that very well could be the point of life. Uh, I'm not sure. So for me, that's that's the, the vision that drives me is I, I find where I can get the most fun out of this, where I'm growing and creating and thriving and how I can continue to, to grow and create and and connect with other people and create new things that are increasing my capacity and increasing collective capacity and making the world more beautiful. And through that entire process, I find it inherently and intrinsically rewarding. So that's, that's what drives me is not that I'm, you know, looking forward to a future situation where everything is paradise, but it's the actual process of coming to it that I find enjoyable. And I even think if we ever create paradise, then we would just create a new set of problems to try and solve. <laughs> uh, but there's one last thing that was sparked in our previous conversation. I mean, I think everyone was kind of hinting at it. And that's this idea of you know, moving away from a monoculture. So if you look at our ecologies, and if you want to try to map an economy that looks like an ecology, anytime we take our complex ecologies, we bulldoze them and we plant a monoculture, we create very fragile and disease-ridden ecosystems. And that's kind of what we have with our money systems is we have these monocultures of money these monocultures of value exchange. And that's creating a very fragile and disease-ridden financial system. So I think where we're going to in the future is we're getting a diversity of currencies, a diversity of value flows and energy exchange so that we can create more resilient economies that aren't based off one type of financial asset, like national currencies. And that's a little insight I felt like I wanted to leave you all with. And that, that's my piece. Yeah, I can follow up. Um, yeah, as, as within my journey, I've been starting with that assumption as, as well. I think Alan touched on, on that, that we, we, in a way, just would need to build into this the existing system a different accounting and accounting for Earth. And that was what I described in, in the previous part of our discussion as, as the, um, the translation work, right? So there are things that are forgotten and we translate that into the financial system. And that was, in a way, that brought me to a point where a bit like Reiki was saying, that is not really joyful because we, we lose the living aspect of, of, of ecosystem. We lose so much things that in the moment when we put them into accounting numbers, they lose life in a way, or, or, or we then start to trade them and, and, and then it gets very strange, right? Um, and um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty much with what Reiki said, what really motivates me. And uh, many years ago, I met um, a monetary reformer that we could invite to really share and co-develop some of the thinkings in Switzerland with us, which was uh, Margaret Kennedy. 
And she explained very simply. She said, well, we need an ecosystem of financial solution or monetary solutions. That's it. It's an ecosystem of, of solutions. And since that experience that I made, that whenever we think we know it, we get into that separation because we get into that, oh, I'm, I'm right and the others are wrong or, or the opposite. So what motivates me now and where I feel that, that I have energy to go is to learn. So try it out. And, and, and we, we go and try it in, in, in the size of, of a, a region or a something real, a real need that comes from, be it a food network, uh, comes, be it an energy, uh, sustainable energy solution, be it whatever, so that comes out of a, be it farmers that um, team up and, and move towards regenerative farming. And from that kind of real needs, we try to come up with solutions that work. And from that, we learn. And that motivates me to go into that learning Connect with people that join and reflect and 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 really extract what is in essence that we learned and even if we fail, how can we improve? So I think that that spirit of co-creating what money could be in the future is is what motivates me. Yeah, and let me add to that. If I may, um, absolutely. You know, this one of the things that I see is that the solutions are already out there. It's just a matter of bringing the puzzle pieces together and allowing them to interconnect and to integrate systemically. Because the sum of each of these pieces is much larger than than the individual pieces as a whole. It becomes much more of an impactful thing. And another thing that it's inherently there you know is that every human being in this in this mystery has a has a role to play so each one of us has an inherent value towards co-creating this grand puzzle piece that is being shaped by each one of us and that it it really calls us to live our our highest passion which is a very exciting way to to live rather than than doing things that for reasons that you really don't want to just chase after money and this new system that is taking shape is something that really triggers uh, joy, inspiration, and kind of forming community and building trust with, with other people, even people that you would not even know or think you have something in common. There's way much more. We have so much more things that we share as humans or, or kinship with other beings in this planet, and there is more than divides us. And just by recognizing and creating a financial system that honors honors that similarities but celebrates the differences, we are stepping into something way more beautiful. Thank you. That's wonderful. Yeah, what gives me hope? Um, yeah, is what we're seeing on the grassroots levels everywhere already. Um, you know, it's uh, you know we we uh, know how to uh, protect uh, ecosystems and regenerate them. Indigenous communities have been doing that for, for millennia, um, having an earth positive impact. Uh, walking through a, a jungle and realizing this is a medicinal garden. Um, 
so it's so clear that uh, you know it's it's not that uh, humanity at its root uh, is extractive um, you know is either uh, you know at the top of a pyramid enslaving other humans and ecosystems but rather um, that uh, our regenerative ability is part of humanity it's who who we are it's our origins it's our it's our highest purpose and our true purpose um, you know I had a wonderful meeting with uh, Little Bear, the chief of the Esalen tribe in California. And, um, you know, and he said, you know, we, we were, we were willing to share this, this abundance with anyone 500 years ago. Um, and, um, you know, and, and instead it was uh, $5 a head. Um, uh, so, so it's really, you know, for, for, for us, the, the, the hope is real. The hope is there. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's really about um, recognizing the, the dignity um, of human beings, that we can be uh, a force for regeneration uh, of nature, uh, that um, when humanity uh, works, work, works with nature, um, we can we can be part of a, a beautiful um, evolutionary um, uh, world that uh, that honors life. Um, so, to me, the uh, the innovations that we need to get there, you know, they're there. Um, as William Gibson said, the the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. Um, the right people are here. Um, it's about connecting them. It's about ensuring that there is a flow of capital uh, towards innovation, right? And that, that to me is the, uh, is the key thing. It's, uh, it's planting lots and lots of seeds, moving to this uh, uh, the, sort of the, the opposite of banking where you try to lend money and not lose any of it, but rather uh, looking at the abundance of, uh, of someone sowing seeds, um, where if one out of a million uh, pine nuts becomes a new pine tree. That's an extraordinary success. Um, so that's that's the sort of mentality that gives me hope, and that's fun. So we ought to be experimenting with lots and lots of uh, lots and lots of high risk, high impact type of projects, and you know, and then all learn from each other, right? Because we can communicate. So we have the the nervous system is there with the internet. Blockchain gives us the internet of value. So we, we all have these, the, the, the new way in which we can create uh, planetary scale communities that transcend any nation-based monetary systems, actually. Um, you know, Bitcoin's already more, more valuable than most current, most nation-based currencies in the world. It's already shown that it can be done, right? So we have everything here and, um, you know, it's, it's time to play. Mm. And that's 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 the the next question. What are you guys playing? And and in mainly in seeds, uh, Heike and and friends, and and you, Katerina and Alan, share other projects as well. Um, with this sense that, and, and and I will try to ramp up a sort of synthesis of 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 this this other moment that we build here is uh, joy as a central piece of what we need to do together, right? So, and 
I, I really resonate for, with, with that as I build a thing called Joy Academy, just to lean on that more deeply. Um, also, this, this idea that what we need now, it's, it, it needs to be common built out of an ecosystem of possibilities and solutions where our diversity really plays a role. And then this idea of um, failing and learning, so, so which it's some, somehow a root of conflict as well, I, I sense. So uh, we've been, um, many of our metaphors are related with, uh, with perfectionism and building the perfect whatever <laughs> world in this case, where our own human experiences of failing and learning, right? So we need more embracing vulnerability and, and learning than, than failing. So, so the question now, it's really, what, what are you guys up to that, that builds on this learning and failing, building ecosystems, embracing diversity that shows track for, for new possibilities and how people can join? Raiki, do you want to start, knowing that you are short on time? Sure, of course. Um, this is kind of a riff off of what Alan was just saying about how we can build different types of, I call it civilizations, but different types of essentially what comes after the nation state, where we can have global communities that are aligned around a shared purpose and that they don't have to be limited by national or these artificial boundaries. And to help ground this, now, imagine if when we became adults, we got to choose which country we were a part of. But moreover, we got to choose what type of financial, economic governance system we wanted to be a part of. Now, what's unfortunate today is we all have that choice made for us by birth. And we get born into this complex web of agreements and rules and structures that we had no say in. And these, these structures are dreamed up by people who lived centuries ago. And what I like to say is, you know, for most of life today, those dreams are turning into a nightmare. So what, what I'm focused on is how do we build these, these digital civilizations that people can opt into? Because if people are tired of the systems they are today and how they're designed, we've seen the last couple of decades as we've been petitioning really, really hard to try to reform these systems. And they are very resistant to that reformation. So we need to have something that we could just opt out of them. So we can just translate our money into new money, come over with new governance systems, new organizational systems, and then just start operating with people who feel and act and think the same way that we do or similar with a shared purpose and attention can then start just collaborating together. You know, it's such a devastating feature of our democracies today where 49% of the population at any given time could be completely dissatisfied with how things are being run. You know, cultures before ours didn't try to force people into those situations. If 49% of the people thought something differently, they forked. You know, and that's what we actually see through evolution is we see more complexity and more diversity emerge over time. But what we see with our civilization design is they tend to concentrate over time. So we need to design our civilizations to move towards diversity so that we don't try to force people into systems, but we make them inherently voluntary. And that changes the entire script. Because now if they are voluntary, they can't coerce people through force and violence to do what they say. They actually have to encourage people to join them through offering them superior value or through serving their ethics in a superior way. So what I'm focused on and what I'm currently serving, it's called SEEDS. 
And it's a financial and economic and governance system for a regenerative civilization. So for all the people and projects and movements out there that really care about regenerating our planet, this is a financial system designed for them. And what's so important, too, is that so many beautiful ideas have come up about how to redesign civilization or how could we do it differently. And unfortunately, they're, you know, they're thinking and operating inside of a vacuum. So if they're like, well, if we move to Mars and we can start it all over, this is how it could look. Or if we could just press a big reset button and start it over, this is where it could be. But we need something that acts more like a bridge that's using the same you know, motivations that have been so hardwired into us today in order to want to step into a new system. So what I mean by that is it needs to be financially profitable. We can't step into a new system and say, hey, this is going to give a, an Earth dividend that's going to cost every member 10% of their wealth. People wouldn't shift over to that. We need to have something that's going to be financially beneficial for them. That's just going to be better for them in every single way versus our current system. And for it not to require a paradigm shift in thinking in order for them to step in and adopt it too. So we have to make it very easy. So that was the whole intention behind Seeds is how do we design something that looks and feels like we're used to today that uses the same motivational drivers that our current financial systems have thrived off of. But to change the underlying patterns so as people step into them, we can drive value towards regenerating our planet and drive value towards equalizing the value of our global community. So like, how do we address global inequality? How do we redress organizational inequality? And how do we rewire organizational incentives to actually want to be regenerative? You know, today we have this weird thing called planned obsolescence, where there's literally a motivation to build things that break down because they only get rewarded when people buy their stuff. So we want to build things to break down. We want more people to buy them. And we don't care if all the stuff that was bought ended up in a landfill tomorrow or in a storage unit. But we could actually reprogram it to say, you know what, we're going to reward you when people use that product. And this changes the fundamental game. Now the game is I want someone to buy a product and use it for as long as possible and use it as often as possible. So it's not profitable or as profitable to sell something to someone that they're not going to actually use. Um, that was going down a rabbit hole. But the point here is that, you know, it's, it's all about our economic system, how the incentives are designed. And Seeds is about how do we redesign those incentives to be more regenerative. And it uses this concept called decentralized governance. So that all the people who are part of the system and come to it can start bringing their wisdom to the table and keep evolving it as it goes. So it's meant to be able to catch more wisdom and catch more insight and then continue to evolve. So that as more people join, they actually can have their voice heard and they can have a say and it's a very clear and transparent voice that they get. So we can start off with where we're used to today using those same drivers, but where we end up could be an infinite possibility that I can't even fathom right now because it will be this collective you know, wisdom that comes together to create where we're actually going to go. So I, you know, I'm speaking very philosophically here, but I think Seeds looks more like this evolutionary bridge where it starts off with where we're at today. It helps people come onto that bridge, but then where that bridge leads is up to all the people who decide to take that journey with us. And that's a little bit about Seeds, I think. <laughs> If you want to learn a little bit more, you can go to joinseeds.com or feel free to reach out to me. Um, what we're doing today is we're delivering grants in the form of a share of this new currency to all the organizations that are doing good things in the world, that are serving people, serving planet. So we can create a cooperative financial system so that all of the players across the world who are working towards the same goal can now have a shared financial interest to collaborate together, to grow as one movement, 
and to help reach our goal in a much more effective and beautiful way. Because if we keep using the national currencies, we keep saying yes to that system. We keep saying yes to financing war, financing devastation, you know, bailing out banks and subsidizing oil and gas, which we did to the tune of $5.4 trillion in a single year. It's completely absurd. To make them artificially cheaper than solar, it's like, what are we doing? So when we use those national currencies, we're saying yes to that system. So we need something that we can step into where we can opt out of those systems. And that's, that's the role that Seeds is trying to play here. Thank you. Any of you can share other ideas or friends to build on, on, on that? Yeah, let me build on, on what Ricky's saying. Absolutely. You know, what we have, what we're right now offering is a choice, an alternative choice towards opting in to methods of exchange that are built on integrity, that really reflect this holistic forms of capital and that give both voice value to people and planet, which is what we have kind of been talking about. And, you know, the problem is the solution. Today you see the world stuck in a ultimate state of scarcity. And by giving them both value and voice, you're absolutely giving them an, an alternative for which they can step in and and integrate these efforts towards a, a shared vision of change, which is what the world is, is looking looking for right now at large. And what we have since we launched this is already more than 250 plus organizations that are coming on board to, to exchange, uh, starting all the way from food systems for environmental protection. So what we're doing is really uniting movements that, you know, for example, all of these movements have been in a state of competition, competing for the same funds, and they, again, don't realize that they are sharing the same needs. But by really uniting this around a, a cooperative economy in which each movement part of it has a direct voice and value, then all of a sudden we are creating a movement of movements in which we realize that we are transitioning all together and we are all kind of changing, trying to change and evolve the system from these different points of view. And once you are able to do that from different levels, from a local level to a national level to a bioregional and to a global level, we have, you know, we're unlocking a Pandora's box that by uniting people, we have the mechanisms to outcompete systems based on, on scarcity altogether. And pretty much having that renaissance that uh, Reiki was alluding to, in which there's no need to take away something from someone. It's more of, you know, we build our own system and let it thrive. And as we do that at scale, we are stepping into a much more beautiful world, a, a world where, where, yeah, where integrity and unity and, and trust is at the very core. And that's, that's the sort of world I want to live in. And that's also the sort of world that I want to bring my children into. Thank you, friends. Yeah, I would like to, to build on that. As, as, um, so after my years of, of working more on a global level, trying to understand these dis disconnect and trying to address them from different parts, I felt that I need to really go and, and 
co-create regional initiatives, right? And and that was what I was doing and building up and yeah, um, a collaboration structure, let's say, a network which we we call the foodnetworks.ch, which is basically um, um, yeah a gr- group of of people that came together from different countries um, using food as an entry point for community building because food is something that brings us together very concrete that is something that we all relate to um, and and really building up network structures on a local level and regional level to connect the urban and the rural areas to connect farmers and to create opportunities of inviting people from the community the very different people from the community to find new ways of relating and discussing things like how should we share risks how shall we how shall we solve these things so that really that food can can become some kind of a collaborative commons and within i learned obviously that again this this trying to understand what money means and what what it brings in kind of the dynamic is key and central and that's what i'm trying to find out Traditionally, I've been thinking, and perhaps I can go but relate back to Goethe, who has been talking about the big divide between um, Maya and Gaia. Gaia being the earth and Maya being some kind of illusion. And my thinking has been also that the virtual world is some kind of the illusion. And then we need to go back just to the real physical 3D and, and, and earth work, regenerating the earth and and talking to the people and bringing them together. What I feel now, and I don't know how, is that these worlds are coming together and I'm ready to explore how we can contribute to that in the most regenerative way. So that's the call I feel, how we will discover. And maybe that those experiences, which may be very different within SEED, may contribute to that discussion. And I'm happy to learn with you. Oh, lovely. Gaia and Maya. Yes, that's right. Getting 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 back to Earth from um you know from all of this uh all this time that we spend in the virtual world is, is certainly important. And um yes, I have a very special place in my heart for, for the seeds cryptocurrency because it takes because regeneration is such a such an important part of that um, so uh, it, it uh, it's a real link to the real world and what i what i love about it as well is that um you know it uh it links um you know it links it links us to positive actions as well seeds for good deeds so this is um this is kind of the, the breed of currencies that excite me most, which are all around um, impact. Um, there's this concept of, um, you know, instead of moving to proof of work type of uh, cryptocurrencies like, uh, like Bitcoin, why not have proof of care? <laughs> More broadly, that's um, the proof of impact type of currency. So uh, there's a wonderful thought leader in the space, Julian Serco, proofofimpact.com. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, there are various other uh, participants in this broader ecosystem. We have a community called Earth Pulse. Uh, that's earthpulse.io. 
um, the, uh, the, the idea is a, a super brain and heart uh, to reward protectors of Mother Earth. So the, uh, you know, the super brain is kind of like this, um, this green room as opposed to a war room, seeing what's going on in the environment. What are the kinds of threats um, around deforestation, for example? And then very importantly, um, the uh, super heart is this blockchain-based system that can actually send resources to where they're needed. Um, so uh, that's an initiative that includes a lot of uh, wonderful, um, you know, wonderful members. And um, of course, Seeds is uh, part of that as well. And uh, the, um, the, uh, yeah, the idea really is to um, move into a world where as you're making positive actions, you're rewarded. So, um, so yeah, and I think this is, um, this is something that resonates much more than um, focusing on penalizing the bad guys, right? A lot of policy is all around, you know, the, uh, the sticks to penalize the bad guys. Um, whereas uh, what if we just focus on rewarding the good guys, the guys who are protecting ecosystems, regenerating uh, soils. And let's just, let's start with this, uh, you know, with this kind of perspective. Um, and um, one last initiative that I'd love to point out is um, there's, a, there's a wonderful um, researcher in Australia, um, uh, Delton Chen, um, who has a project called the Living Systems Economy. And he's come up with a global carbon reward as a currency actually managed by central banks in his system, where basically people would be given rewards for, for doing, let's say, you know, soil regeneration and rainforest protection. The extraordinary thing is we can actually monitor a lot of this with satellites, even soil, um, soil carbon, which, which we thought was so difficult, um, where you actually had to go into the soil. Scientists have come up with models to use Sentinel-2 satellite data to get a very close fit. Um, so that could be all monitored. Um, there's a wonderful blockchain system called Regen Network, uh, Regen.network, which has a project with a farm in Australia where they've uh, launched their Carbon Plus uh, model. Um, so Delton's uh, framework could work with central banks um, standing behind it or it could be done in a decentralized way as well, right? But I want to see a system which rewards people, maybe with multiple currencies, um, uh, for, for positive impact and actions. Wow, so many tips, Alan. Then, then we will try to collect all these insights, uh, and then no, no, you, if, if, when publishing, maybe pub publishing the links as well would be great eventually, right? Yes, definitely. So it has been quite an inspiration to 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 go through this 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 dialogue. So no, no, do we want to do some closings? Yeah, thank you so much. I I, I love this conversation. I was kind of at the edge of my seat because this is so close to to my heart. And I, I throughout the conversation, I've been thinking uh, there was a few things that came up that I just want to really point out and share before closing. One is there's this story that was very impactful to me when I heard the first time uh, a few years ago about the some, some of the tribes in North America that 
had this deep sense that because they were so um, uh, in, enmeshed in their in the land and very in a in a very uh, deep relationship with the land, they knew that if if there was some sort of uh, energy of extraction coming in the the community, that, that they would have to deal with it, and they called this kind of a spirit uh, that would uh, would affect people. They call it wetico, or some tribes call it windigo. And it's interesting that when they saw the white people coming in, they thought this is a whole culture is is windigo. So obviously a, a windigo culture that has this kind of deeply embedded uh, sense of the world as separate that and you can extract and then you obviously you're going to build structures on top of that that are going to continue to uh, bring that that dynamics into life. So I'm so excited to know that you guys are building, are making part in building ecosystems that offer a different chance because I do see a lot of people out there. I've, I myself face often that challenge of how you can shift your energy and your focus towards uh, life-affirming regenerative initiatives when we are so dependent still and so uh, conditioned by this architecture of money. So knowing that you guys are doing this and many more people, so this kind of ecosystems are growing and offering different chances for us to really reimagine what is possible together today and the future, it just, yeah, it just makes me jump jump with, with the happiness. Thank you so much for having the time to be here and sharing your, your work and your ideas, your life with, with the audience. Uh, we're going to have, I'm going to extend you one, one invitation that is that you think about maybe doing, we can do some, some other couple of things throughout the summit, maybe a live session with, with the people to talk about these things, because I do think this is a topic where there's a lot of interest and a lot of um, challenges of people jumping with trust to these spaces of trust. So it's really important that we, we kind of, help people to 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 kind of um, shut down some of the voices that might be present of hmm, is this some other uh, scam of getting uh, getting profit or is this actually really potential of tra build trust and, and community around the regenerative uh, initiative so deep deep thank you thank you Paulo for building this this uh, bringing this in and building these uh, possibilities deep deep gratitude. Any of you wants to just do a final remark and a close up? And, and maybe I can start once I'm speaking. So thank you, Noon, for bringing that story. We, I think we see these stories of opposites somehow coming together. Um, when Katerina was uh, speaking about very concrete, very community-based, here we are dealing with that yet in a virtual environment so there's there's this is in your face and also this whole experience seemed like well designed to to say that the things that we really deeply miss we've been deprived of and now they are more visible like like for me really going in the sea and dive <laughs> in the sea it's it's one of those things so very simple and very and things that really reconnect us so 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 I'm very excited with the possibilities, knowing that uh, some old patterns with sneaking, but uh, if we do it together, we will observe this very carefully on each other's backs. 
So thank you. It was a pleasure to be here. Also, quickly from my side, um, I'm very grateful for this opportunity and thank you, Nuno, for holding space for this new narrative. I think it's very important that you know that this story gets told and disseminated as far and broad as possible and allow each of one of us to speak our voice and others to form part of a greater narrative of what's emerging. So I thank you very much for holding that space and thank you, Paolo, for bringing us all together and having the the idea and the vision to, to facilitate this. And thank you, Alan and Katarina and Ricky for sharing those wonderful pieces of, of wisdom with 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 us here and um, definitely count on me for the for the next opportunities and uh, I look forward to see what we can all build continue to build together um, also from my side thank you so much Ua. Oh, wow. What a wonderful gathering. Um, just deep gratitude. Um, such, uh, such beautiful insights and, uh, and inspiration. And uh, yeah, I felt like we were really playing with playing. And uh, you know, maybe one day we can do it in a place as beautiful as Katarina's over there. I, uh, I've been enjoying seeing those uh, sun rays going, going through, the, uh, through the trees. So uh, yes. Um, it'll be uh, wonderful for us to, uh, to to gather in real places one day. But for now, I think this is a, this is such a a great way to to honor and protect and regenerate um, uh, uh, the life on Earth that we all treasure. And I feel that we're all aligned on that. And I'm really honored to be part of this group and happy to participate. So, yeah, thank you, thank you, Nuno. Wishing you great. Uh, success for this and uh, Paolo, thank you for connecting us as you do so beautifully. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. I um, there's there's one last story that I I, I wanted to to share, which which came to me now which was during the, the monetary reform phase of that campaign of changing the monetary system, and that was that, that initiative in, in, in Switzerland. Um, I was invited to speak at a panel, a very high-level panel with um, central bankers and researchers and the National Bank and everything. And suddenly I re realized that out of 10 speakers, I was the only woman. And I, I realized that I need to go deeper and we did. I, I launched a project at the time, which we called the feminine side of money, which wasn't about women, but it was about me realizing that those voices that are a bit shyer or quieter usually don't talk about money. And so very few voices I actually heard. And the, I, I tried to understand by opening spaces, and, and that is... I feel the quality that you have started to have here is, is one of that similar quality that we can, um, we are somehow all invited and need to create these safe spaces where we can exchange of, of what 
money should be representing for us. And that is, is, is something, um, so very grateful, Nuno, that you have brought up this topic. And I think that is something to be continued, to really invite not only any experts, but everyone to participate in this, in this to co-create in this dialogue. So very grateful for that and hope that this continues. Thank you, thank you.